Welcome to Cinema Convos. This is the show where we bring guests with different tastes in film to have meaningful discussion about the art of cinema. I'm your host, Yash. I'm here with our special guest, Samit. And today we're discussing the film Inception from 2010, written and directed by Christopher Nolan and starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hardy, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, among others. So Inception is about a thief who steals corporate secrets through the use of dream sharing technology and is given the inverse task of planting an idea into the mind of a CEO. Before we get started today, I want to issue a quick spoiler warning. If you haven't seen this movie, we recommend checking it out before listening to this episode as we will inevitably get into the plot points of this movie. It's also kind of surprising we're talking about spoilers when this movie is about 11 years old. You'll be surprised, man. So before we get started on today's episode on Inception, um, we want to dedicate this episode to Samid's father, Mr. Akhtar Siddiqui. Um, we lost you way too early, and we were all deeply saddened to hear about your passing. However, it is important to mention that your love for cinema is a big part of the reason the two of us talk about movies almost every day, and your impact will continue to shine in both of our lives. Well, my dad, Akhtar Siddiqui, he was the person that got, him, got me into movies. Um, Back when I was a little kid, uh, my dad got a video camera. He would shoot the most random things about me in the house, uh, or most random things. Um, I mean, as a as a kid, I thought, you know, that's pretty cool. But when I when you get to that teenage years, you start to think like, oh my god, this is embarrassing. Why is he doing this? What's the purpose of it? But now. It kind of makes sense because how he would do it, he would try to portray a story, story about one's life on how it is and how it's continuing on. Almost like you can think of it if boyhood was the movie that shows a person's kid from like a little kid to an adulthood, my dad was even before boyhood. So my dad was cool before it became a thing. Um, um, and his thing was always about shooting random shots and using those random shots to make a story. And he would do it. He would do it without even realizing it. And as now, as, as an adult, I kind of realized my dad actually did that. My actually, my dad actually followed the story. Even when I was a little kid, uh, I cannot tell you how many times I've been to the movie theaters with him. I want to watch uh, with him. Star Wars, the episode one. Yes, uh, people might think of it as one of the worst Star Wars movies, but for me, as an attachment that I want to watch it with my dad, um, Ice Age, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, uh, Spider-Man, Jurassic Park 3, and lots of other movies. We would go to the movie theater just to watch it. Um, even at home, when he came back from work, he would either watch the news, and after he was done getting bored out of his mind, he would change the channel and watch an Indian movie. I don't know. I remember once I, I came I came to ask my dad a question. I was in eighth grade and I went to ask my dad a question. And I and I was like, hey dad, can I ask you a question? And my dad's like, wait, hold up. And I was like, what what is it? And it was in a scene in Fardes when Chato Khan is playing Gubberty. <laughs> and you know, that's like, don't ruin this mood, uh, this moment for me. I love this moment. And after the after the scene was done, my dad goes like, Okay. Yeah, son. Now what was the question? He loved the old 70, 80 movies. Uh, he was a big fan of Shadow Khan. 
Another movie that he loved had to be the Mummy trilogy. I cannot tell you how many times I also seen him watching the first one, and till this day, he loved it. He absolutely did. Um, the one thing he would always say to me is that when watching a movie, what was the purpose of the story? Why did it shoot in this particular scene in the movie? What was the focus for the people to uh, make them understand? And I mean, as a kid, you really wouldn't understand that. And you were just like, I don't know, dad, they just want to shoot the movie to shoot the movie. But after a while, I kind of understood what my dad said. And then I was like, well, they're trying to focus on this. They're trying to focus on that. They're trying to show this uh, scene on this character because he is showing expression of some certain thing, um, which got me into movie reviews. I mean, Yasha was kind of the one who was like, hey, I got the site. And then after a while, I was like, my dad would always say about movie reviews. I'll get that started. And every time I would post a review, my dad would read it. I remember that. Um, even even though my brothers could be like, no, your dad didn't do it. But my dad would always tell me when we would video chat that, no, uh, I read your review. I read your review on Deadpool. I read your review on Inception, on uh, Jurassic Park. I actually like that idea. That's nice. But if you like your grammar is a bit off, you might want to fix that up. Which I was like, yeah, uh, of course, that. And to find a site to help me on that. I would say when I finally got him in uh, in June, <laughs> as you were driving around, the, I was showing him the city. He saw a giant billboard for Fast Furious 9, and he also said, again, really? I thought it, w- it should have been done. Why, Why did they make Fast and Furious 9? It should have been done with 7. We would talk about movies every time I would come back from work. Um, one of the last full series that me and my dad watched was The Last Dance, uh, the final season of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, me and my dad watched the whole thing. I think I wrote this last night uh, on Instagram. My dad was a big uh, Tupac fan. So I showed him a bit of a rap, a bit of my things I listened to. And the additional story of that was that I made him watch Creed. He never saw Creed. And is a big Rocky fan too. So he sat down and watched Creed and he was like, yo, did they make Creed 2? Whatever happened in Rocky 4, did they connect it? I was like, oh, dad, they did connect it. And my dad went and watched that and he was just like, this is amazing. I love these movies. But now it's going to be a hard, it's going to be a hard uh, moment because the person who I had is not here anymore. And, you know, it's, it's going to be a, it's gonna be a new change in life, a uh, new direction in life without him guiding me or telling me uh, what I could do. But at the same time, I could continue on the legacy of my dad, you know, doing what he wanted to do. That's one thing he always said. He would hear tons of things, but he didn't give a damn about what he heard. He just did it. And I'm just going to try to continue on his legacy of a caring man that he was and continue on for me. And I learned his lesson along the way as well. And hopefully in the future, when I get to be a director or make movies, um, I want to dedicate with things that I'll be learning and making movies uh, from him 
and hoping that I'll be able to make compelling shots, uh, that I'll be able to make a story to showcase my love for him was because of him having a video camera and showing me that you can make all these different shots, but in the end, you're able to uh, tell a story. Very well said. Um, very heartfelt tribute to your dad, who, again, you know, in a way, through you, taught me a lot about movies because of our uh, our friendship over the years. Um, so, again, this episode is dedicated to him, um, his life, memory, um, contributions to both of our lives. And um, if you're listening to this, just take a moment to remember um, the people in your lives. And, you know, if you have loved ones, um, spend time with them. Tell them you love them every day, every chance you get. Anyways, to get started today, Samid, I wanted to ask you, what's your first memory or best memory with this movie? Uh, the best memory of this movie, coincidentally, was when I was arriving back to this country, uh, to the United States. I actually lived outside the country for about seven years, and I was coming back. And I heard of this movie from a couple of friends of mine in, uh, in Karachi, where I left. They were like, oh, dude, you better watch this movie when it comes out in IMAX. And I'm like, okay i'll give it a shot and it was something like i didn't watch it when it came out in theaters i got the movie on dvd and i watched it on my uncle's home device his home theater device and i watched it there first time ever and i had so many questions in the first 30 minutes on what was going on but the movie was so in Deb, and it was so in, I was getting so intrigued out as I was pushing into the movie. By the end of it, I was like, This is a masterpiece. Brain function in the dream will be about 20 times normal. And when you enter a dream within that dream, the effect is compounded. It's three dreams, that's 10 hours I'm times sorry. 20. Uh, mass was never my strong subject. How much time is that? It's a week, the first level down, six months, the second level down, and the third level. It's 10 years. Who would want to be stuck in a dream for 10 years? Depends on the dream. For sure, dude. I mean, this movie, this is going to be like a very personal episode for me because this movie literally changed my life. This is the movie that made me see cinema in a new way. So my best, my best memory with this movie is when I saw it for the first time. I also got it on Blu-ray. I had not seen it in the theater and if they ever re-release this thing in IMAX, I would be there. Uh-huh. But um, this movie is... I, it was one of my first Blu-rays, actually. I I started collecting movies around that time, so I had like less than ten movies, and now I have like you know hundreds. But it was a movie I watched it with my brother. You know, was blown away by it, and I just found myself within that month. I watched it like I showed it to every friend I possibly could that hadn't seen it. I we we had the digital copy with our Blu-ray pack, and mm-hmm. uh, my brother had like the the you know it's like a dinosaur at this point, but like the iPad, like the original iPad. Um, <laughs> so it's like this bulky, like giant thing. And then we went to a few trips to like Dallas to meet like some distant cousins, I think, or like we went to like different road trips. Um, I'd watch it on the car ride. I'd watch it at the house. Like I just could not stop watching it. Like I was so obsessed with it. Like I had not even seen the dark Knight at this point. I was very behind on that. Um, like I didn't even know who Chris Nolan was like to be honest. I knew he was like a well-known filmmaker, but at this point in time, the only film I had seen by him was probably Batman Begins. And like that was also as a kid, I had to rewatch it still. But my, my memory is so good with this movie because 
like I, I have such fond memories with this movie because I watched it so many times, like just the year it came out. And I don't rewatch movies that easily, but with this movie, like watching it again is so valuable and it just gives you so much. Like, like I understand this movie from start to finish now, but because I've seen it north of like 15 times, I can say that. But if someone watches it the first time and is a little confused, um, I'm like, yeah, I understand. Also, this is the type of movie people were joking about it. Like, like do not take a bathroom break. Like you're going to miss something important, you know? Um, but yeah, I remember that, I remember that uh, when uh, literally I just started high school in the States, right? Back then, uh, it, it's so weird that I finally got to meet you in my senior year of high school, which is at time the best of times and the worst of times that I didn't meet you anytime sooner. I wish I could have met you sooner and we could have like talked. I mean, even during our senior year, we were talking about this movie in depth every single time we had a chance. Yeah, Especially just for context, that, we, we we met my junior year and some each senior year in high school. And mm-hmm. I remember we were like, if there was a following of Christopher Nolan, like if there was like a religion based on Christopher Nolan, I think we'll, we're the first two followers of that. Because we were in depth when it came to talk about his stuff, even today about his countless of other movies, uh, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, uh, Interstellar, Dunkirk, uh, Tenet. Me and you have been in this, in this constant debate that we're constantly talking about, about how he delivers his message on his movies. Uh, it could be, a, I mean, it could be like a DC movie based on Batman, or it could be something original. Uh, such as I would say this as Interstellar because there hasn't been any movie out there uh, that has used the defined term of time. Time is such a big thing in Nolan movies that he expresses a lot about it. I'm going to go with a little different movies here. I could be about how in the Dark Knight when Batman is deteriorating the Joker. Uh, how there's a set of time in which he has to go to Harvey Dent or Rachel Dawes. Uh, it could be about Interstellar when he's on that planet and they're like every uh, minute you pass is a day pass on Earth. Or it could be like his new movie that came out, uh, Tenet. It's basically, it's funny it, with Tenet was that I actually learned that in my theater class in high school. Uh, in it was so amazing because how they were talking about reversal in time was actually an exercise that we did in a theater. And when I saw that in a movie, I was, I was shocked and awed that, oh my God, this is something that I learned in theater class. And I'm now, this is actually shown in movie. I wonder if my theater professors, like teachers watching this right now, it is the audience in this, in this as well, like I am. How can it move before I touch it? From your point of view, you caught it. But from the bullet's point of view, you dropped it. But cause comes before effect. No, that's just the way we see time. Well, what about free will? That bullet wouldn't have moved if you hadn't put your hand there. Either way we run the tape, you made it happen. Don't try to understand it. So, Christopher Nolan is a mastermind. He's a mastermind and he... He delivers things that a lot of people are puzzled. I mean, 
this is what I'll say about Chris Nolan. I mean, obviously, this whole episode could just be a Chris Nolan like fanboy like rant, and it might be, but there's a reason for this. This guy, like he, he is truly one of the only people out there innovating in cinema. I mean, the only movie he's made that's based on something is the Dark Knight trilogy, and that series like revolutionized the comic book genre, and I, everything I, else is just out of his mind. Like the I, yeah. the concepts he brings to the table, the ideas the way he creates action blockbusters that aren't just like mindless action. There's like heart, there's a story, there's characters, there's everything. And, you know, with this movie, there's endless amounts of visual effects and like, you know, awesome chase sequences, shootouts, fights, all that, but it's the way he does it. And, you know, one thing in particular, one of my favorite parts of this movie, and I had the similar opinion on the dark Knight, but in both of these movies, they, from the second they start, Second, they end. I'm just like on board. Like, I don't, there's not a dull moment. Everything is a world building, character building, story building. Everything is important and nothing is a waste of time. So you're just in it for two and a half hours all the way through. And that's why I like have watched this movie as many times as I have. And when I find someone who hasn't seen it, I'm like, okay, we're watching this like right now because how have you not seen this? And it happened like to me two years ago, actually. It I found a friend happened. who hadn't seen it, and I was like, we're watching Inception. It literally just happened to me today at work. I was talking to someone, like, I was literally telling them, hey, today I'm doing a podcast with, a, with, with my best friend in high school. And he's like, all right, great. What are you guys uh, doing about it? I was like, Inception. And he goes, I've never seen it. And I looked at him going, dude, what are you doing with your life? You're out here talking about DC movies. You're, you saw The Dark Knight. You see all the trilogy. You always you're here talking about Resort of Snyderverse, but you haven't seen Inception yet? I mean, come on. Something's wrong here. I need you to go home right now and watch a movie. You're off right now? Go ahead and watch it. And I hope he's watching right now with his wife. That's all I could say. But Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you haven't, we'll get to the, the sales pitch portion later. But, um, <laughs> but this, this is such a, like, it's such a great film. And... Um, you know, some of my favorite aspects are just how innovative it is. is it, as I already said, like a few seconds ago, but I wanted to ask Samid, what are some of your favorite aspects of this film and why it stands out to you so much? Okay. For me, it has to be the scene. Well, for me, this is the one scene that I absolutely love. Uh, as much as uh, we could talk later in depth about the ending, because that holds a special place for me, uh, I would say when Leonardo DiCaprio's character uh, cops goes and see well, Tom Hardy in that place. I can't remember right now. In, in Africa. M- Mombasa? In Mombasa, exactly. And when they're both talking about the concept of Inception and Tom Hardy character is like, oh, no, it hasn't been done because it's so hard to do. And then there's a chase scene that happens. That chase scene, that has to be my favorite part of the movie, man. I cannot... Uh, that chase scene is insanely underrated, dude. That it is, is a so... great scene. It is so underrated because the music, the, the score action, is exceptional. I was listening to the Mombasa score like while I was working on stuff today because it came up and I was like, "Yeah, this is gonna get stuff done." Like, oh yeah, let's mm-hmm. go. You're not dreaming now, I am. But the Mombasa chase scene is like. It's funny because the main plot of the movie hasn't even started yet, but no. you're so invested. You're so like, you want to see where Leo DiCaprio's character is going to go next. 
and what it, you know, he's, he's like putting together a team. It's way more exciting than anything that like, you know, like the Avengers coming together. I mean, that was cool, but like, has it stood the test of time? Like this movie has, like, I don't know, because look, Marvel is art in its own right. I'm not going to like crap on Marvel because I'm not, yeah, that's not, that's not either, man. Um, because <laughs> I like Marvel, but I'm thinking like when it comes to like this movie, I just think the exposition is so good. It's so... the opening scene tells you so much about the movie's core concept of going inside dreams within a dream so well right because you know right away you're in this scene that you know they're like hey we need to find this safe i'm like oh you're like oh this is like a heist movie like you know it's like this is pretty cool so far yeah and then like you know the the water starts exploding and then you're like wait a minute they're they're just they just fell in bathtubs oh that's the real world there's like riots going on here then as he's on the floor you're like they're still in a dream so the concept of dreams within a dreams is established early on perfectly right and it only goes further from there and you know or not a lot of people but some people i've talked to criticize chris nolan's exposition in this film they say it's his weakest you know he's such he's so big on spectacle that sometimes exposition is not very strong i would challenge that in inception the exposition is perfect it's you know you need that information to get to the other stuff i mean i mean think about this right in the beginning of the movie in which literally you know as uh, when you watch the movie and uh the i will say the mysterious character because i don't want to spoil the movie with people who have seen it uh spoil it dude if you're listening you better have seen it (laughs) we're gonna talk spoilers Uh, and when uh he's in this room and the one of the character looks at uh, talking to Liu. You don't see this character. You just see a shadow of him. And he goes, are you here to kill me? And then it goes, and then all of a sudden it goes, the other DiCaprio is talking about the movie about Inception. He's like, what's more dangerous in the mind? Uh, bacterial or germs? And then you see my, my main man, the man who I love. Let me just pull out his name because I love him so much. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Ken Ken Watanabe, yes. When you see him, and he's kind of disgusted because he's like, dude, why are you talking about germs and things when when we're eating? And then that's when Leo discussed about a thing that he says, like, if I put one idea in your mind, that thing is now your stuff. That mind is, I, I already already think about it. So he already's bringing about the terms of inception about it. He's already talking about inception to Ken Watanabe. Dream within a dream, huh? I'm impressed. But in my dream, you play by my rules. Ah, oh, yes, but you see, Mr. Sato, not in your dream or in mine. Well, what I love oh. about that that scene real quick is how, you know, it's it's it kind of goes with how this movie presents information. Like the opening, the beginning scene is the ending of the movie, right? Literally. Essentially, right? And it doesn't say like, you know, three months before or like, it doesn't give you any of that. It just expects you to know this is not the same time. Like, use the clues. And, you know, that's why, like, the first time I watched it, I was like, wait, was that the ending? Like, I was like, what is going on? <laughs> this, this movie doesn't spoon feed you anything. None Nothing. of his movies do because you it gives you a reason to watch it again. Like, I love that. Like he respects the audience because there's going to be people who watch this movie and they're going to be like, it's, oh, it's too confusing. Uh, it doesn't just, you know, give me what like action scenes and like, doesn't just give me all the information, like spoon feeding me. And I'm like, well, 
it does give you the information, but it's like the type of information where like, okay, every sentence is important. Like mm-hmm. if I miss one thing, I might have to watch it again and catch it the next time. Oh yes. Oh, but yes. um, so I think just real quick, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but the opening scene, I think Man. is part of why, how I love this movie, how, how this movie presents information is part of why I love it. I mean, yes, there are scenes. Uh, I would say there's some dialects at the times that I'm just like a little like, okay, uh, I guess that, that makes sense. Okay, I guess. But if you go back and watch it again, like the first time, I get it. Some people the first time would be like, what in the world am I watching here? I don't get any of this dialogue. It makes no sense. This movie makes no sense. I'm not watching this again. But then I would challenge the same people to watch it again. Basically, the term with Yash says that you can't, you have to sit down and watch the movie. No bathroom breaks, nothing. Don't eat, don't drink. Just watch the movie. Just concentrate on the movie. And that is one of the parts of the movie is that you have to watch it again. And unfortunately, I have to say this, it has to go with Tenet because if you see Tenet, uh, the sound mix scene. Uh, yeah. So here's, was, here's what I'll say about Tenet. Um, I, since I last recorded a podcast about a Nolan film, I have watched the movie again. And to be honest, out of, you know, it's funny because one of our questions on the show is, is there a movie that reminds you of this movie or it feels similar? And this is so one of a kind that oh yeah, the only movie that's remotely f- similar is like another Nolan film, probably Tenet is like kind of similar because it has a mind bending concept. And I think this movie is better than Tenet because the sound mixing is better. Obviously you can hear what they're <laughs> oh, yes, saying. Definitely. Um, I think the characters are much more, you know, likable and you can emotionally connect with them. You f- I feel mm-hmm. for, you know, Cobb in this movie, I, you know, in Tenet, the character's name is the protagonist. Like, I, I love John David Washington in that movie. Great performance. Oh, yeah. Who right? doesn't? I love this actor. I mean, I must have seen Black Cake Clansman, I don't know how many times. And every Black Clansman was excellent, dude. I mean, out of all the Oscar nominees, it was my favorite that year. I mean, I love that movie so much. The dialogue. Oh, my God. The, the, the jokes. I mean, those are some of the jokes that me and one of my coworkers would be like talking about it. It'd be like, yo, yo, dude, remember that scene? And we're just laughing about it for a good five minutes about it. Just how ridiculous and how real it was. But one key similarity Tenet has to this movie is that it benefits from a rewatch with subtitles for that movie. Um, but um, I think that's a recurring trend. I mean, you look at The Prestige, you look at Interstellar, all of these are films that I liked a lot more watching again. I, you know, some of them I didn't even like that much the first time, but now I like love them um, because these are such high concept movies that they require multiple viewings. But for the, in, in the case of Inception, I think Tenet is the only movie I can think of that's kind of similar to it. Um, Inception is a heist movie at its core, but at the end of the day, it's the concept of dreams in a way you've never seen before. And I'm honestly fascinated by the technology in this movie. Like oh, if it yes. was real, that would be incredible. Like, would be. like, like, imagine like actually like experiencing your dreams and basically being able to do whatever, like whatever you want. Like that's, but, uh, but like, at the same time, if things were real, you don't want to get lost. In but you don't want to get Lego. lost. That's what the movie presents. It's right. It's like, it's like, yeah, this is awesome. But you know, clearly it's messed up people like mall, like in the head. Um, oh yeah. So, you know, it's, it shows the dark side of it too. And mm-hmm. I think, while we're talking about themes in this movie, I think one of the biggest themes in this movie 
you know, the central plot is they're trying to plant this idea in this guy's mind. And I think looking at the current social climate, whether it's political or like other issues, um, this movie kind of presents how difficult it is to change someone's mind about something in a oh, very like yes. unique way, right? They have to go down three layers in this man's mind and convince him that like, oh, my dad loved me. And like, that's something you can't just convince someone of no. naturally, no, right? It's like, <laughs> so it's, like, it's like if like if you had that one family member, it could be like it could come to Christmas or it could be Eid, it could be Diwali or Holy. And you know, you know that uncle over there or that person is gonna be like, he's not gonna give you any gift. He's not gonna give you anything. He's just gonna go, Inobarak, Merry Christmas, happy holy, and just get get on with it. But when you ask your mom, be like, what's up with this uncle over here? He doesn't give you anything. But the mom be like, no, he really loves you. You're like, oh yeah, that's yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, but you're gonna have to you're gonna have to dive into to my go. subconscious and plant that idea in my mind before I believe yeah. that. <laughs> but um also I just realized um when I was doing the cast for this movie, I didn't mention Killian Murphy and oh my god, what an actor, like totally oh. underrated. And in this movie, the scene where he like breaks down after he is told his father loves him, which isn't even the truth probably, but mm-hmm. now this man believes that. And um, that scene is that scene is excellent. And then they're in the third layer. That's probably my favorite moment in the movie when we're talking about favorite scenes, right? Um, you said the Mombasa chase is like up there for you, which mm-hmm. uh, it's a great scene. But that moment where where Killian Murphy goes up to his, you know, his not even his real father, just like his what's the word they use for like people they see in their dreams uh, projections projections okay. so it's his, own, it's his projection of his father after like these layers of of convincing him okay like you have to like do your own thing with this business i know dad just i know you were disappointed i couldn't be you no no i was disappointed one complaint someone told me about this movie when it first came out mm-hmm. is they said like well, what was the point like they just went into the guy's mind and changed his ideas on a few things and it didn't feel like there were stakes and i was like strongly disagree because oh, yes. think about think about the, the movie makes you care about Cobb, right mm-hmm. and Cobb needs this mission to be successful in order to get back to his family that's mm-hmm. the heart of the movie right that's hard. and in the meantime he's battling his inner demons with maul and so when like Ariadne, Elliot or Ellen Page's character realizes that, you know, something is wrong with Cobb. Like he's not, he's dealing with a lot of personal stuff. And that's kind of also part of the dark side of this technology. Like he goes back in every night to see his wife, a projection of his wife. And he's never able to truly move on because of that. And that's, yeah. that's what I think a lot of people would use this technology to see their loved ones. And it would probably like, it would make it much harder for people to accept loss and like, you know, death and things like that. So that's another thing I realized. Um, I forgot where I started with this tangent. But, um, but, but I, I, I want to add on to this. Yeah. I want to add on to this. Her character, Moth's character in this movie was like how careful Cobb was into this mission. He was prepping. He had plans. He had everything worked out. And in the end, it was Maul who came and would disturb everything just because on how uh, sad he was about a scenario that left her i don't want to spoil it but spoiler dude there was a spoiler warning for a reason all right (laughs) when she 
she, she killed herself. She killed herself because she thought she was in a dream. And because he planted the idea that she is in a dream. And even then, uh, it's so hard to see someone in which Maul constantly, right in the beginning of the movie, you, you see the character Cobb and uh, Arthur, I believe that's his name. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and also like real quick with Maul, it's like it's his projection of Maul the whole movie mm-hmm. because she's dead, and it's I think his projection is so evil because he remembers her as the woman who like killed herself and like you know didn't care about her family. So his projection mm-hmm. is going to be like a bad person. Like the human brain cannot control that. Now, now you listen to me. If you jump, you're not going to wake up. Remember, you're going to die. Now just. Just step back inside. Come on. Step back inside so we can talk about this. We've talked enough. Take a second think about our children. If I go without you, they'll take them away anyway. What does that mean? I filed a letter with our attorney explaining how I'm fearful for my safety. How you threatened to kill me. Why did you? Why? Why would you do this? I freed you from the guilt of choosing to leave them. We're going home to our real children. No, 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 no. Ma, you listen to me, all right? You're waiting for a train. Ma, God damn it, don't do this! I think that's kind of cool. But anyways, go on. Yeah, and uh, right at the beginning of the movie, you see her. And Arthur goes like, what she's doing here? And then he's like, oh, I'll take care of this. And Arthur goes like, well, you better do it quick because we're, we're working here. And then she starts saying things about like, what if it happens if I jump? And that's... If you've seen the movie The Second Viewing, you know she killed herself. And that part came, I would say, right in the ending. When you see, when he's going to open the vault to see his dad, right there she drops. And, right. Yeah, and, that scene when she when she shoots Killian um, oh. Murphy's character. And this is, this is a very good point because, you know, Leo has, like, the sniper on her, right? Like, and... Like Ariadne's like, like she is not real. And he goes, and he like, goes how like, do you know? How do you know? Like, this man is so he is so broken. He, he has so broken. He, he has so much evidence this woman is dead, right? He has no reason to believe that she's still alive in any shape or form. But I think just because of how this technology has messed with his mind, he's like, Well, how do you know? Like, it looks like her, it sounds like her, like it's it's her, right? Like yeah. it's just I don't know. It's really fascinating how till the end, he, his weakness is Maul, who he himself is projecting because she's on his mind, right? This, this movie, what I like about it is every layer of the dream is completely different. There's kind of an explanation for everything going on in the beginning when it's raining, like you didn't use the bathroom before you went to sleep. Like, you know, these, these kind of things <laughs> that when we have dreams in real life, it explains them in a way like, like Leo tells Ariadne while he's training her, um, showing her how the dream space works. Like one thing I really liked when initially watching this movie is how he says, like, he's like, well, dreams feel real while we're in them. But when we get out, we're like, well, that was kind of weird. Yeah. And that's so true. And also one more thing that's brilliant in this movie is how each layer in the dream moves at a different time and different pace, true. which makes sense because you sleep for eight hours a night. Does it ever feel like your dream was eight hours? No, it feels like it was like a couple minutes and you're awake. Mm -hmm. Um, So the way it just tackles the concept of dreams is is unlike anything I've ever seen before. And I know I'm like a Chris Nolan fanboy 
and I'm not going to speak ill of him, but this movie is, it's just, it redefined cinema for me. And I think the themes, the little details, performances, I think everything is just masterclass. And um, uh, if, I, if I definitely have... cut you off and went on a tangent. And I'm sorry <laughs> for that. I like this whole episode is going to be basically me and you just like cutting each other up and be like, no, I need to add this up. Yeah, so the, it's like, like I can't control talk. myself right now. I have to say this before I lose it type of but thing. You got to agree with this. Hans Zimmer. We, Hans Zimmer, man. He set the piano ablaze making this soundtrack, dude. The soundtrack in this movie. My God. Like, the, like, we can talk about Mombasa again. That, like, how you said, like, that track was like, oh, I know I'm getting my, Mombasa, my work done. I mean, like, the dream is collapsing, the central theme. Um, score is a big part of Chris Nolan's oh, films, yes. all of them. And he oh. teams up with Hans Zimmer almost every time, right? This time he, he had Ludwig Gorhansen, did an excellent job in Tenet. Amazing. But um, from what I heard, Hans Zimmer was busy working on Dune. Um, so that was what happened. Tell me if you have a favorite character in this movie and why. My favorite character in this movie has to be Tom Hardy's character. He's the go-to guy for your problems. He's the guy who's like, I've seen it all. I know what's going on. I know how to do it. And he's so calm and like he knows what's going on. Uh, he's constantly making fun of Arthur. Like Arthur is like his punching bag in this point. And I love I love Arthur and Tom Hardy's <laughs> this dynamic. He's like Arthur still working with that guy, huh? Old stick in the mud. Like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> his constant I mean, just right in the beginning of the Mobasa scene. And he goes to, he's like to Leo, like, hey, let me go and talk to this guy. And he starts running after you. He knows he's going to chase you. And he goes like, Freddie, Freddie Mercury, my God, is that you? And then he sees Leo jumps and the dude looks and then runs away. And Hardy's like, well, it's not him now. Okay. And just like walks away. You can rub them together all you want. They're not going to breed. You never know. Let me get you a drink. Goodbye. It's funny because this is probably one of the first times I saw Tom Hardy in a movie. Um, I know he's done a lot of acting, obviously, since then, and even, like, maybe before. Um, but in this movie, he's kind of the charming, like, funny guy. Um, very entertaining to watch, mm-hmm. um, you know. But what one thing I love about Tom Hardy, just to shout him out as an actor, uh, this guy has range. I mean, he can be oh. funny. He can be charming. He can be terrifying. Um, as Bane and Batman, oh, or or be just weird like in Venom. It can be yeah. Well, we don't have to get into Venom. Just yeah, yet. okay. Yeah. <laughs> because because I think Tom Hardy is the saving grace for that movie. Otherwise, that is true. It's not. I mean, movie. I mean, weird in a sense of that he's literally two characters in one yeah. role. Tom Hardy is a great actor. I think any amazing movie, any movie where he's any movie that has a physical element, it's totally convincing because the guy's jacked. I mean. Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, Mad Max Warrior. Um, he can be empathetic. He can be. He can say two words like in Mad Max Fury Road and still be like an awesome character. You know, like oh, yes. it's just like the presence of the actor is so is so awesome with him, and that's why I think even in this movie when his role isn't like that big of a character, he is one of the main characters, right? But mm-hmm. you know, it's not his character's struggle or his story. It's he's like part of the team, but. Yeah. I think that's why for me, I think it has to be Cobb as my favorite character. I mean, okay. I mean, I love Leonardo DiCaprio, my favorite actor. And funnily, en- funnily enough, 
I think this movie is outstanding, but I don't think this is a movie I love because, oh, Leonardo DiCaprio gives one of the best performances ever, right? I think mm-hmm. this is a great movie mostly because of concept and story. Because Leonardo DiCaprio, my favorite performance from him is The Wolf of Wall Street, where I just thought he like transformed in every way, head to toe for three hours, right? I mean, that was just balls to the wall, right? But in this movie, he gives a very like, you know, very subtle, nuanced performance. Um, you can tell this guy's hurting just by looking at him. He's dealing mm-hmm. with a lot. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm a Leonardo DiCaprio fan. He's probably my favorite character in this movie. But um, in terms of, like, outside of just characters I like, I also just love a lot of the actors in this movie. You know, Joseph mm-hmm. Gordon-Levitt, uh, 500 yes. Days of Summer, one of my favorite films. You know, that was like a year before this. It was very, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was just killing it at this time. And as I already yeah, mentioned, right. as I mentioned, uh, you know, Killian Murphy is also a big part of the heart of the story because you see a person who has success in every like surface level way, right? He has money, he has power, he's about to take over his dad's company. Um, but you also see like the vulnerable side of this person, right? Who clearly has unresolved issues with his father that will never be resolved mm-hmm. because he has died. And essentially what they're doing is like tricking him into believing something that's not real, which is very sad at the end of the day, right? Because it is, it, it is. you know, it's the mission, right? Mission. But you realize like there's some ethical issues here that i don't know if i if i'm with, if i'm with um but you i really like every time i watch that scene at when he's like with his father and he says i'm disappointed because he tried like i i start tearing up because it's so profound like so many people who have success in this volume like experience this like if, if you like this is a weird parallel but compared to hbo's succession right fantastic tv series by the way i'm not gonna spoil this i mean i don't know if you've seen it but it also gets into like how like rich and successful people can be just as broken as any of us right. because they have so many other things that, you know, I'm not trying to come on the podcast and say, Hey, feel bad for the 1%. You know, like I'm not trying to be that guy. Wow. Like, Sanders over here. <laughs> <laughs> so please, Mr. Sanders, don't come after me for this, but it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, we're all human beings. I think this movie explores that because mostly with Cobb's central struggle with his family and, Killian Murphy's character as well, you know, dealing with a whole other thing. And I think the combination of those two characters and actors whom I both love in every regard um, make this movie as profound as it is for me. Before we change to a different topic, I do have to mention this. All the characters in the movie, every one of them, it could be supporting cast, it could be a minor role, all of them had such a flow in this movie that it felt like everyone, even though he was in the scene for like 10 seconds or 20 seconds, they all had such an even flow of this movie that it's not like, oh, look at this character. He just he screws up that part. No, because the movie is so flown, so perfect. It is, it is a literal sympathy being played right in front of you. Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of it is every character has something to do in the movie. It's you know, this isn't like a Michael Bay movie where there, oh, there's the hot girl and there's, you know, the romance and there's there's no forced romance in here. There's no characters who are just there for eye candy. There's nothing that's just taking up space. I hate yeah, to it, use that wording for other films. So I like, obviously, like, I like big blockbusters. I, I understand why they do that kind of stuff. But there's nothing in this movie that's trying to be, that wastes screen time. And I think that's a big sign of respect to the audience. What's happening? Cobb's drawing Fisher's attention to the strangeness of the dream, which is making his subconscious look for the dreamer. For me, quick, 
me a kiss. They're still looking at us. Yeah, it's worth a shot. Okay, I gotta correct you on that one. Michael Bay's uh, goes by this. It goes flirting. It goes explosions. Then it goes hot girl. Then it goes eye candy. It goes hot girl running behind explosions. Yep, you gotta have that. And then action. Yeah, I mean, what's a Michael? What's a Michael Bay movie without a little subjugation of women? (laughs) Oh my god. Michael Bay and Chris Nolan should not really be in the same convo. I mean, Michael Bay has plenty of money, so that's all I'll say. Every time I watch A Quiet Place, I can't believe he produced the movie. Well, I, think, like, I think you just tie it with John Krasinski. <laughs> I'm like, dude, A Quiet Place is such a great movie with a beautiful story being told and it's being produced by Michael Bay. I'm like, no, that's the horror stuff. It's right there. That's what you scream like, oh, oh my man. God. I remember I saw... I saw either a quiet place one or two with my brother and he's always messing with me. I, I mean, I think he likes Michael Bay movies too, but yeah. he's like, Oh, Michael Bay produced it. That's why it's good. And I was like, Oh, you're making me so angry. <laughs> like That's not why it's good. John Krasinski went too hard for you to disrespect the film. Like, yeah, this. no, no, no. That's, that's, <laughs> that's disrespectful right there. Mm-mm. Okay. I, I'll ask this question to you. Yeah, I'll, go for it. Uh, I'm going to ask you this. Um, now, on Christopher Nolan's movies, I remember back in 2012, I'm going to go 2012 here, me and you uh, walking down to our computer science pre-AP classes. Shout out to Mr. Mellon. Mr. It's- Mellon, Mr. Mr. Class, even though I don't really remember anything besides how top red line. I don't either. I don't. I mean, um, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a Mr. Robot type of guy. Yeah, he was a Mr. <laughs> Robot type of guy. Anyway. He anyways. knew his stuff. He was a master, oh, master coder. Mm-hmm. And then we had our well, friend Tommy, who was just a genius. Oh my gosh! Shout out to Tommy. Shout Man, out, what to- we no, was shout out Tommy. Shout out Oneeb. Shout out Diedrich. Diedrich? Shout, out, shout out the whole gang. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to everyone. Uh, people who I not even mentioned. Shout out to all you guys. We respect you. I mean, that's all I, I mean. Those are the people I still kind of stay in touch with. So I don't want to want to shout out I mean, people I, I haven't out, talked to in years. I mean, in this scene, I mean. Come on, I mean, when we when I come to Houston, oh. we'll, we'll meet all, all together. Yeah, so before, but go ahead and ask your question. <laughs> yeah, before that, a shout out. I remember me. I was I had something going up, and I remember you're like Samit. I need you, and I'm like, oh, okay, Yash, what's up? He's like, well, um, I was a very dramatic teenager. Yeah, very dramatic, and I'm this still a, a dramatic, dramatic adult, teenager. unfortunately. <laughs> and I remember you're like, what are you? Are you Team Avengers? or team dc and back then avengers just came out in to clarify Net- i was saying are you team i'm pretty sure it was team dark knight trilogy because dc yeah, is kind of broad dark knight trilogy okay yeah and or uh team marvel and i remember everyone was looking at me like i was gonna say something and i was like i was like and i say christopher nolan like, and you're like, yep, that's my boy right there. That's my boy. And because like, so many people tried to convince me, oh, Dark Knight Rises wasn't that good. I was like, are you I kidding me? That. Are I you thought, for real? <laughs> like, I'm this is sorry, a masterpiece. Man. The Dark Knight trilogy is literally perfect. It has a beginning, it has the middle, the Dark Knight, it has the ending, Dark Knight Rises. It, it has, so- it has, like, it sets up for the next movie. And I, I cannot believe the number of times that Batman has come up in this podcast. It's almost every episode. It's funny because I'm, I, it's probably why I brought it up is because people were like, oh, well, Dark Knight Rises wasn't all that. You know, it wasn't as good as Dark Knight. I was like, 
it wasn't as good as a dark knight maybe like bane wasn't as good as a joker but as a movie i don't know that movie is also about like exploration of trauma facing your problems exactly getting out of depression like there's so many things going on in a superhero movie like i'm sorry like the avengers was cool but at the, it, they just teamed up and fought a bunch of aliens like yeah. that's all they did i mean i mean for me i remember you were like samita i'm gonna have a big debate with these it sounds like yeah this big debate, and i need you with me on my corner and i'm like all right i had dude. no one in my corner because everyone was like the avengers made more money and i was like it's not about money about sending a message it's not about money it's about sending a message everything burns according to joke yeah i guess i can still imagine you i remember because every morning me and you would walk together to class like either going to class first period or Four period entering the class yeah, or dude, we just we just link up at like the break of dawn when public school starts basically <laughs> every single time and we'd be constantly talking to movies to a point that oneev would like pass by us and be like ah talking about movies eh yeah because oneev was one day oh, shout out oneev but he was in um he was in pre-cal tutoring before school and uh, you know we've all been pre-cal is hard so no shade to oneev for that because oh I'm, no no but uh, we were we, walking we, in that hallway we love we you walk- we were walking in that hallway and and we were talking pretty loud and it's kind of funny because I think what 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 they heard was I was like yeah midnight premieres are so loud and, and Oni pulls we were up talking so- about we were talking about a Harry Potter and Deadly Hallows yes. Part Two we were um, talking about that. but uh some Oni pulled up to me and he was like so I heard midnight premieres are very loud and I had forgotten our conversation I was like what are you talking about dude and he's like you don't remember your conversation with Samid this morning. I was like, no, that was like, it's like 6.30. Like I was like half awake. 6.30 in the morning and me and you are rampant talking about midnight premieres. Now it's basically (laughs) like, oh, you went to the midnight premiere? Oh, I go seven o'clock in the evening on Thursday evenings. Yash, what are you talking about? I miss midnight. Dude, the only midnight premiere I ever went to in my life was Harry Potter Deathly Hallows Part 2. And this was, mind you, you know, for the younger audiences hearing this, you know, imagine a world with no reserved seating. No recliners. You just have to get there by 10. Get your tickets weeks in advance. Don't even try to show up the same day. Um, And, you know, we got, me and my family went because I, I like, begged them to go. I was like, please, can we watch the movie at midnight? This is the only one I want to watch at midnight. Like, normally I don't care. Um, And it's just so cool. Like, it's like, okay, this is, like, the first screening of this movie in this area, right? Like, that's Mm -hmm. awesome. And he's such a big, one of the biggest movies of all time. Opening night is, was, it didn't feel like 2 a.m. when it was over. I was so awake, more awake than I've ever been after a movie that late. Um, for for how me, did we, how did uh, we get here? I don't <laughs> know. I mean, this, is a, this is our love of. This just uh, happens movie. when me and Samid talk. It's going to be like half the movie and half just like podcast vibes. That's that's how we talk. That's how we talk to the people. But I think it makes for an entertaining episode. I don't. I think when people listen to Joe Rogan, just to compare, you know, just as big as we are, being sarcastic, um, people like the random tangents and weird stuff that just comes up, the backstories. Yeah. So I mean, our backstories. I mean, I would say this uh, from all our backstories that we have and how our thing started was the love of movies. Mm-hmm. It could be either Indian movies. It could be harry potter or it could be in this case uh 
Christopher Nolan. I mean, for us, why do we love Christopher Nolan? Is because he knows how to deliver a movie that not a lot of people would either appreciate it, will be picky about it, will say the minor character was kind of sucked here, he shouldn't have said that, and just nitpicking it every single time. But for us, me and you in this case, when it comes to any Christopher Nolan's movies, we just want to stand up and give like a clap in the end, just like straight up just clap like maniacs because he delivers a movie that at times a lot of people would say, what kind of, what kind of a movie is this? A dream within a dream within a dream? Like, you know, the first time I showed my mom this movie, she likes this movie. I don't think she fully understands it, but she likes uh, that's it. Why, that's why my parents were you. But she watched it with me. She My mom is very open-minded about watching movies with me. And by the time the third layer of the dream came around, she was like, another one? Like, they're going to keep going? Because it's just like, it gets crazy, right? They're like yeah. in three layers. There's three layers, different things going on in every layer. But wait, if those people got stuck in there, why wouldn't we? It's very simple. You see. When the dream experts go in, they attempt to take the subject to a dream within a dream. Like a taco within a taco? A double-decker taco supreme. Exactly. But only dream spies have the ability to go deeper into dream levels, and firemen have the ability to bring ladders into other people's dreams. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa. How could you take a ladder into a dream? Because the firemen dreams aren't like dreams at all. They're more like a dream within a matrix within a dream. Look, if we can get the fire department into the counselor's dream, then we can jump everyone down at least another six dream levels. That way we'll be in the counselor's deepest level of subconscious. And it will be like a taco inside a taco within a Taco Bell that's inside a KFC within a mall that's inside your dream! It's a really cool YouTube video where it's like Inception in real time. Like I saw show. that. I saw I that. And it's they use the Mombasa music for that. I think. And I'm like, yeah, like that's yes. that's fun <laughs> fire. <laughs> but um, but one thing about this movie, what you brought up, you brought up Harry Potter, right? Um, one thing that they both have in common is that I think they will stand the test of time. There'll be movies I'll be talking about for decades. Um, I'm rewatching Harry Potter right now, and I remember every moment because I've seen those hundreds of times too, and. I think there are just some stories that are so unique, so innovative, so different, and so encapsulating of the time they came out in, right? Like they just changed the game in that era. Um, right. So uh, I think I think Inception is one of them, and I think there's many other movies. Oh yeah. Similar. Let me um, let me ask you this: out of okay, uh, I'll I'll tell you about this. I'll, I'll tell you about for me the ending. Why it's so personal to me. Yeah, let's, let's get to uh, let's talk about the ending. You start yeah. though, because the ending is this has to be the main point of our whole conversation. We ever talk about is basically like how Cobb wakes up and he's looking around, puzzled. He's like, "Did it happen? Did it did it went through?" And he, as it goes on, it's going on. He landed. He gives his immigration form in, and he looks at the the officer. The officer goes like, "Oh, welcome back, Mr. Cobb," and he's like, "Oh, thank you." And he's just walking. The music's being built up. He sees his team. He sees a giant sign says, welcome to the United States. He sees our man, the, the man, the myth, the legend, Michael Caine. And, you know, the music's building up. It's going. It's going. He goes to his house. He spins a totem. And you don't see the totem. And then that darn totem. <laughs> that darn totem. And he then... The respectful Mr. Kane says he calls the kids over. He's like, "Guess who's here?" 
turns around and says, kids. And he runs to his kids. And then the camera turns to the totem. And the movie ends. It's still spinning, but it just, if you look closely, it just topples a little bit. I don't know. It's just, okay. Okay. Here's, here's what I'm going to say about the ending. Here's oh, what yeah. I'm going to say. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, nine times out of 10, I hate ambiguous things in film. I'm not really my thing. Um, I think it can be fun to analyze things, but I like to have answers. Um, but in this movie, I think it works. I think an open ended, you know, conclusion, it fits. Um, I like to think he made it back. Um, and I'll tell you why. Because if you watch, I was rewatching, like, I guess, like a, a summary of this movie, but one scene early on is um, Ken Watanabe's, you know, Saito tells him, he says, I make one phone call on the plane and you're good. You'll get through immigration, no problem. And it's funny because there's also another scene where he says, how can I trust you? And he's like, you, you really have no reason to. You don't know what's going to happen. But um, he gives his word, right? And I think Saito is just, it seems like he's a man of honor. I think he would, he would honor the deal. They did what he asked, right? They planted this sure. idea. Um, it's because they don't show you anything, you know, after the dreams in real life, nothing in between, right? They just jump straight to the flight again. And there's no dialogue. They're just like, you see people smiling like first class and then they're at the airport right all that and um i think if you if you watch the film and believe he made it home i think that's the happy ending and i think a movie like this should have like a happy ending it should you know the character who's gone through so much to get back home to his kids um i think he also did some therapeutic he faces trauma by facing maul in the dream and still like he found a way to leave limbo right he woke I, th- I like to think he woke up made it home the top was spinning but a top can spin for a while they show us a few sure. seconds of it it could have easily fallen over i mean it could be some beyblade um, like some beyblade <laughs> that's constantly running <laughs> Bro, i've only watched beyblade in india dubbed so i'm just when i hear baby i'm like oh jai shuru like he's like, <laughs> like, <I'm> just, <laughs> like like you're just like triggering i mean me. i was watching it on the I think when cartoon network in pakistan it was in english version and i I plead with the cable guy, make sure it's English. <laughs> we didn't. I mean, we didn't. I mean, when I went, or we eventually, one of my, one side of my family got like a cable service where you could change the language, right? Um, but before that, I mean, SpongeBob, Drake and Josh, I watched all these shows dubbed in Hindi. And the oh, episodes man. I had already seen, there was the one where like SpongeBob um gets lost in that weird town or whatever. I watched Rock that entire... bottom. Come on, man. Rock, I forgot the name. Oh man, gosh, I am I'm scared for it's you. Just the episode name, dude. It's just I, I remember exactly what happens in the episode. <laughs> the one where they all talk like you know help. <laughs> like the farting noises of I can't understand your accent. But um I watched that one in Hindi. <laughs> and it was interesting. Oh there. Um, I I, I mean... I've also seen the first two Harry Potter movies dubbed um because that's how my parent my, my cousin had it had it on her laptop and that's all we had to do. Oh. <laughs> that was kind of funny. <laughs> was, I'm sorry because I just <laughs> I've seen the OG cut, so it's just like OG I should do. Yeah, that's uh, Beyblade, dude. It's just oh my gosh dude that's That's okay out of everything in Beyblade, that epic theme music when it comes in place where those top spinning it's like 
for me 10 years old yeah that thing is popping yeah, uh, yeah. it's fire mm -hmm. and what's you know you talk about our you know childhood activities and childhood shows but i watched the movie for the first time when i was 14 and i was i was a kid like when i saw this movie and i was i was 16 yeah i mean i was like it was we were teenagers right and for me at least as i've said like this this really piqued my interest in cinema i mean around when i was 14 i really got into movies really got into like reviewing and rating movies right um you know figuring out what are my favorite movies and why and um you know beyond just that i, I love harry potter because that was my thing for like a very long time I, I, oh dude i remember <laughs> i was so i'd be like yes what do you what do you think about this movie i love this yeah you might have a movie that you don't like i hate the word hate in movies yeah i used to not oh, boy, dislike here we go I used to not dislike movies and I still dislike very few movies and dislike as in it receives below a six out of 10. Right. That's yeah, how I describe, yeah. that's how I define disliking a movie. Um, but I've forced myself to watch some atrocities since, since then, like the emoji movie or the last airbender. <laughs> so, um, you know, um, did you, a, did you force your parents to watch the last airbender? Curious. My parents. Did you, did you force your parents like, mom, dad, I need to watch The Last Airbender? No, no, no. You know, funnily enough, I watched The Last Airbender on Nickelodeon one day. Yeah. Um, before I watched the series. And it was already, this is how you know, this, it was already a bad movie. Um, I watched Avatar The Last Airbender and it became a worse movie. Oh my God. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it's, it's funny, you know, The Last Airbender was that uh, my mom and dad, actually was watching the movie and my mom i woke up the next day and my mom's like samid we watched such a great movie the last last night i was like no oh. i was like really mom what was it she goes it was called the last airbender i looked at mom going no please tell me you watched a cartoon i was like i literally <laughs> said that did you watch the animated version she's like what is there a cartoon of it i was like the cartoon is the movie mom how dare you watch the movie say it's such a great movie it's the worst the Avatar is dead. If he was here, he would protect us. My name is Ong, and I'm the Avatar. I ran away, but I'm back now. It's time for you to stop doing this! The Avatar would have to be an airbender. Are you an airbender, boy? Leave him alone! All right, well, look, while we're on the subject, I actually have a, a tie-in here. Um, oh. So The Last Airbender is directed by M. Night Shyamalan, who I'm not, he's not as good of a director as Chris Nolan, but I think he has the same ambition and creativity in terms of bringing us original films. I just saw Old today or the day of recording of this, so he's very much on my mind, right? Um, I think they're similar in that, okay, let's make original movies that no one's ever seen before. Let's not make any, like, the only movie that M. Night did that was based on something was Last Airbender. And that should tell you everything about like why he shouldn't do that. Um, right. And there was like, a, I mean, that's the first time I ever heard his name, to be honest. I was like, oh, M. Night, the Last Airbender guy. He's like, no, no, no watch some of his thrillers and like, you know, the good Sixth movies. Sense. <laughs> Six Sense, Signs, Unbreakable. Yeah. These are good movies. Um, Don't watch The Happy. It was like, put it, please, don't oh. not watch The Happening. Oh, The Happening is an excellent comedy. I mean, oh, yeah, it's <laughs> you watch it as a comedy. I just want to give a shout out to uh, to M. Night because he's from Philadelphia, from almost the same neighborhood that I was from. So, uh, shout awesome. out to yeah, and also, I, also, M. Night Shyamalan, look, you know, you're, you're hit or miss in your films, but um, I have to say, you're, you're an Indian guy working in Hollywood, and I, I think mean, that, that I think that's incredible. Great. 
if you're I listening mean, to this that's something that uh if it you know in the future if it ever happens if this you know this podcast becomes successful and me and you are working in the movie industry we yeah. can say proudly that there was a man who started here when i was i think six cents came out in 98 maybe 99 i think but he, we could say he was the man who started this indian man from philadelphia started this movie and now because of him like basically the the thing that says like i i crawl so they could run it's almost like that in a sense yeah man i mean i can't think of very many in general indian american representation is just now like starting to be a thing um you know with like mindy kaling series never have i ever excellent series um a master of none we had that right um so Uh, my man uh I think Gianni from Karachi. Gianni in the Big Sick, right? Like, yeah. like you know, our 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 community stories, you know, specifically Indian Americans, people who grew up here but have like Desi background, is just starting to be a thing. But I think in terms of like actual people in Hollywood who are like well known, M Night Shyamalan is one of the few. And um, again, I think he's similar to Nolan in that he has unique ideas. Um, it doesn't always play out in a way that's good, right? Um, but every M. Night film I've watched, I'm like, this is a creative movie. All the way up until today. I mean, I like the movie old. Um, I think M. Night's biggest weakness is that he just can't really write dialogue. You usually have yeah. a knack for directing or writing. I think he has the directing capabilities to create tense moments, right? Well-shot scenes. But when people start talking, you're like, okay, people do not talk like this no, <laughs> at all, don't. right? So that's, um, that's the thing. Um, but I think in terms of ideas, and original content um both of these directors are really out there trying to make give us something new Definitely. not like tired and rehashed ideas so yeah. I, I respect yeah. that about both of them i think they're they're very similar in that way whether you love them or hate them all right uh i'll now down to time must be done so i can talk about the indian on my perspective in this uh, now that we've side. gotten done with the m night rant please um yeah. please talk about the ending and you know how you interpret it and what your takeaways are now, for me, watching the ending, it was such it was done in such a way that I could also kind of feel it on my end as well. I could say, I mean, I could talk about like my family history and all, but it gets personal. But how it happened, like arriving back in the States for me, this movie came literally on the same day when I was coming back here to the States. So for, for me, it was almost like, damn, like. It almost had that same vibe, kind of a feeling that because when I'm watching the ending, I was like, oh my God, this movie has the same vibe when I was coming here back in the States after seven years. I had that I had that goosebumps kind of a feeling when he when he spins the top. And yes, it wiggles. I could say it was all, you know, he's back in the real world. I mean, <laughs> uh, Yash, uh, it's funny because literally I post this like uh, a week a week ago on Facebook going, I had this question, like this question that I mean, I constantly remind myself is Hob in a, in a dream world or is he in real world right now? The thing is, I think if I think here's my thing with, if he's in the dream world, I think it leads to the possibility of a very like pessimistic ending, right? Where if he's still in the dream world, I mean, he's still on the flight, which means he's going to get arrested when he lands, you know, like, and that's like a sad ending. I just, I just don't think with this movie that would be like, that would be like not knowing is fine. But if we had to know, 
I really would want it to be like he's back home with his kids. Oh yeah, I, def- I would just, it would. That's why I think Chris Nolan made a smart choice to kind of leave it up in the air, you know. Yeah. Because if he wants the movie to have a happy ending, it has one. Sure, it has one. Like it's it doesn't, perfect. It doesn't, he re- he nice with his kids. That's there's that's there's a small wanted. thing that will create a little bit of doubt, but other than that, like everything else they've shown you makes sense. Nothing is out of the realm of reality. Saito made his phone call and he didn't. He got through immigration. Like. Sure. Saito is a powerful man. I'm sure he has connections. I said, I don't understand where the dream is. When, the, when is it a dream and when is it reality? He said, well, when you're in the sea, it's reality. So get that. If I'm in it, it's reality. If I'm not in it, it's a dream. Moving on, from, like moving further into the ending. One thing about this movie is that it's an original movie really has no need for a sequel but never needed one um, i mean i could i could say I, this uh when it comes to sequel building okay the dark knight makes sense the dark knight yeah, that is a that is a trilogy where every chapter yeah. brings us something new right or progresses that, the story yeah for that you needed a trilogy you needed that to finish that was a con- that was a continuation of the story but for his other movies that cast came out dunkirk interstellar tenet um, all these movies, they're all original, or The Prestige, all these movies, they're original One Piece. You, you do not need to make world building of this movie. Yes, you will find these noobs out there. I will, I will call the noobs out that will be saying, oh, the movie's so great. We need a sequel. I was like, no, you do not need a sequel for an original take of a movie. And that's uh-huh. why for me, why I love Christopher Nolan so much is that when he makes a movie, he sticks with the story and he doesn't make like, oh, now we're going to discuss the backstory of this movie. Then we're going to make uh, the sequel of the movie. And then we're going to talk about the prequel of this movie and then mm-hmm. make a trilogy of the new sequel of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, no. Well, that's also so refreshing, right? It's like you see movies that ha- are complete stories. You're not like, oh, this is like setting up for this movie. Oh, this is just filler because the next movie will be good. No, it's like this is a movie with its own world, its own characters. It all it's all start to finish one thing. And with Inception, um, there was a time when I was younger where I actually wanted to see a sequel of this movie, but I've since learned I that the artistic value of this movie does not I, need one. But I, mean, I will say, I will say this. Yeah. I think the concept in this movie could it be used to tell more stories, hundred percent. If Chris okay. Nolan wanted to make another movie set in the same universe where going inside dreams is a thing, I'm on board. Like, you could you could give me a follow up to this movie if Chris Nolan's making it. I'm still on board, but I don't think that's necessary. I think telling a new story could be more interesting with the same concept. I I would say I would disagree on that one, Yash. I would say this that yeah, if if he wants to bring a concept of the story of dreams into it, that's that's well and good. As I discussed in the beginning of the podcast, I was saying how time is a concept in the Nolanverse. Uh, I will say Nolanverse as his other movies uh, that he has plays. All of them had time built up to it. And time for him in his movies have been the focal point of all his movies. And uh, so just say, like, in this movie is all about dreams. But dreams and even when uh, Arthur and Tom Hardy's characters are talking and they're like, well, the first dream layer is about this minutes. And the second layer is that, and then Hardy's characters are like, Oh wait, uh, math has never been my strong subject. Uh, how long is the second dream? So 
time's always been relevant in Nolan's movies. And hopefully the next project that he brings out, time will be involved with this movie as Dunkirk was, as Tenet was, as Interstellar was. So for me, originally, he has already made movies kind of based on time from the start. So if you want to see the basics of a building world kind of a thing, he's already done that. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's he's already he's already messed with the concept of time. A hundred percent. He's he's something deep in Chris Nolan's mind makes him compelled to tell these stories about, you know, the movement of time. Right. But I um. And a hundred percent, if you want, I would much rather him do something original and new because I think he's a genius. So, um, you know, if I saw he was doing an inception type movie again, I'd be like, okay, like I would rather him do something new because he is an innovator. And I don't think he would. I think he's every film he's made outside of the dark Knight trilogy is designed to be a standalone movie. Um, and I think that's fine. I think that's awesome. In fact, I encourage it, (laughs) um, in Hollywood, like, please give us more original stuff like this. I mean, for me, I would say like A Quiet Place because that was the first movie. Uh, I mean, I won't count Tenet as the first movie watching uh, coming back to the theater because, you know, we were still no shots and social distancing at its maximum. I watched yeah. Tenet and it was in a theater, <laughs> just me and this other dude sitting like a couple of yards away. Yeah, from- yeah. I mean, I went with two friends to that one. Um Yeah. Obviously, I've been back to the movie theaters. It's been amazing. Um, it has. I'm going to real quick say, like, support the movie theater. Um, you know, yeah. if you feel, if you're vaccinated and feel safe, um, you know, go see some movies. If you don't it's, feel safe, totally fine. Um, but we don't, we don't support premiere access from Disney Plus. Oh, no, show. never did. 30 <laughs> bucks for a movie? I'm sorry. I would rather. 30 bucks on top of the subscription you already pay for and to see a movie at home. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, and, Sorry, Disney. Oh, and that's why Scarlett Johansson is asking for big bucks yes. right now. The results of this lawsuit may have progressed um, since this episode has been recorded, but uh, we got you, ScarJo. We got you. In your All corner. Day. Black uh, Widow was good too, bro. Real quick. Like, oh, no, definitely. <laughs> uh, out of the people, people hating, that dude. <laughs> somehow have issues with female-led characters, I don't know why. Uh, Black Widow was better than Captain Marvel, though. I, I, oh, yeah, I agree. I agree on that. So, I agree on that. Um, anyways, we're not going to get into a Marvel thing here. <laughs> no, no, we'll do that on a later episode. Zach is going to be editing this and he's going to be like, what is going on? There's like a hundred <laughs> topics. We're talking about so many topics in one podcast. This is so podcast. I do have to mention this, Yash. Go for uh, it. I don't know if you're going to agree or disagree with me on this one, but like Inception with its characters and its theme, would you say that Hollywood, did they try in a sense of using that same theme, using the same way that Christopher Nolan did and use it in their other ideas or other projects or other movies that you were like, oh my God, this has like a little Nolan flair to it. Do you think any of those movies have been out with the inspiration of Inception? So, I mean, I would define Inception as an action movie with sci-fi elements. Um, I think a lot of movies try to, I mean, I think Chris Nolan in general has to inspire creativity among filmmakers because he's doing things that literally no one has done before. Um, You watch any making of Christopher Nolan's movies, they're like, oh yeah, he he said like, if we can do it without CGI, we'll, we'll do it. Like, 
<laughs> like I'm a plain absolute madman, you know. <laughs> yeah. But um, it it pays off in the end. Like the rotating hallway in this movie that we haven't even talked about is oh brilliant, right? When Joseph Gordon-Levitt's like running on the ceiling, it looks real because it is real. Yes. Like you know, like there's no tricks going on here. They like you know. Then that's very similar to you know I I mentioned this in a recent podcast um, for 2001, but it's like he's like the Stanley Kubrick of our time. Like he's doing things that are so painstaking for the most minute details in film that as a result make the experience so much more memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this movie, I mean, I can't think of any imitators um, because it's so one of a kind. Um, I think people really received it well, right? Audiences ranked it as one of the best movies of all time. It even won a few Oscars. I mean, it came out the same year as a social network. So mm. I, I will say over time, the social network score has grown on me. And I think sure. it's better than this movie's score, which is a Ooh. shame because Hans Zimmer is score is really good. Yeah. Uh, I think this is I like this movie more. Don't get me wrong. I, I mean, I like this movie more than The Social Network. Right. Um, but I think that was just a competitive year for the Oscars. Um, uh, I mean, that was the same year when Toy Story three came out. Toy Story too, three. And... Um, yeah. Let me look at my best of two thousand. Let's get to this topic. How does this compare to other films that year? Which was my favorite from that year. 100%, but I'm going to name some other movies that came out this year that I loved as well. And if you have anything to shout out after this, feel free. So some of my favorites after Inception were Toy Story 3, mm-hmm. The Social Network, obviously, we just mentioned it, Harry Potter and the Deathly House Part 1, um, extremely underrated Harry Potter movie, um, The Fighter with Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale, excellent film, King's Speech, the actual Best Picture winner, um, which is a good, great movie, not my favorite, but it's still among the best of the year. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Super Ooh, fun movie. That okay. Um, I had to butt in really quick. Yeah. Fun movie, underrated. So yeah. underrated. Yeah. We have we actually have a podcast episode for Scott Pilgrim that I really enjoy listening to sometimes. Um, kick ass, mm-hmm. super fun movie, 127 hours. And um, a movie that I love. I think you probably love this movie too. My name is Khan. Excellent oh, yeah. movie from 2010. Um, so 2010 was a pretty like darn good year for cinema so um and i was watching a tiktok recently where someone asked like what are the best what's the best year of cinema we've seen in our lifetimes and one guy was like 2010 no cap like look at these movies um i'm gonna give a quick shout out in 2010 though uh, go for it the other guys the other guys my one of my one of my best friend Alex is one of his favorite comedies. That uh, I've seen that movie. movie so many times, dude, because of him. Oh, like he's my he was my roommate for years, and he actually taught me how to appreciate it because I didn't like it that much going into college. And now oh, I'm like, yeah. okay, I this is this is, this so is funny. Much. And we actually recorded an episode for the other guys as well. <laughs> um, so a lot of movies from 2010 have ended up on the podcast, which is awesome. I mean that that could show you on how cinema has evolved that yes we were in a pandemic from last year and we're still in a pandemic because things are so evolving things change really quick um but we could say this uh, during the lockdown but in me in this case working at target and working during this pandemic it was a challenge itself if we were in a pand- if we were in a podcast talking about that i would totally tell you about it but you know the details how it was but 2010 movies uh just watching it during the lockdown was like kind of like the greatest part for me because that that's what i was doing was that when i had to go in quarantine 
and I was in a bad place because I was, you know, sick. I didn't know what to do. But the movies for 2010, I was watching that and repeat. I was like, I think in general, movies, you know, they're such one thing I've learned is they're, they're so important to my mental health. Um, just being able to go to the theater this last few months has felt like almost like a dream because I haven't had it been over a year. It's um, almost been therapeutic because for me, it's like I'm not even watching like, like a quiet place part two was amazing but the other movies have been just kind of subpar but i'm like i'm seeing them in a theater like it just i'm seeing them around other people like it just this feeling that i've missed for so long but even I, even in general like you said like you know you've been streaming movies right um yeah while you've been at home and i think at the end of the day one of the reasons i love cinema so much it's a chance to step into a character's point of view someone who's a different race than me different gender different background different you know even world like you know it's just yeah. like it's a chance to see the world from a different perspective i think whether you're watching inception or you're watching you know the emoji movie which is totally garbage you're, oh, wait, wait, let me, you're getting let me an opportunity that. to go to a different world for more than a hundred years there's one place where we all came together to be entertained to escape to go someplace new the movies anyways right. uh, as, a, as a joke i'm gonna say this real quick if uh during a pandemic you had a choice to watch between the emoji movie or the last Vendor, what would you choose which one of those two uh you had to watch it in the theater they're like all right we got those two movies you know i saw the emoji movie in the theater to blog about it uh, i had to watch it too so you're, you're, um... you're i mean we did it we did do that Dang, dude, that's tough because they're both just, they're not even the type of bad movies that are like so bad they're good, right? They're just trash. <laughs> so it's tough. Um, I have to say, I have to say the emoji movie because The Last Airbender, I've seen the series twice and it's just, yeah. in a, it's just such a disgrace to the source material. Oh, I can't okay. put myself through it. <laughs> the one thing is, I'm so happy that the theaters because in this podcast basically we've been talking about the reopening of theaters as well with inception mostly because of the timing (laughs) it brought me so much happiness i never for me it was like going back to the theater was almost like welcome back to me it's like the jurassic park music starts playing like as soon as uh, you enter you know it's so funny because the jurassic park theme was actually being played when i entered the theater it was that's incredible i was, was joking like, but that's uh, awesome. i i literally opened the theater door and it was going da, 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 da. And I was you, like, I, not everyone gets it like not to be disrespectful like not everyone gets the magic of the movie theater um I, like people like me and me we we like the experience like when we go to the movie theater we're there to watch the movie we're not there for popcorn we're not there nah. for like I barely candy. I mean, and you know, I've met the reverse. Uh, one of my good friends is like, "Well, I only go for the popcorn. I could care less what we're watching." I'm like, "Okay, that's I not guess. how I think." The sticky floors, the eight dollar bottle of water, the nachos, the hand dryer in the bathroom that's louder than a choo choo train, the second concession stand that's never been open. The little boy at the urinal with his pants all the way down. The bird that's trapped inside the lobby. It's truly incredible. That's right. I'm talking about the movies. But it's like, like the thing is, 
because I, I remember I went to get tickets for A Quiet Place Part 2. First movie back in the theater, right? Mm-hmm. Not including Tenet, because that, yeah, that was a one-off. Tenet, uh, we, get, um, we can exclude Tenet on this one. But between March 2020 and May 2021, um, the only movie I've seen is Tenet in the theater. Mm-hmm. Same. And... You know, I, I almost got like a little emotional, like buying these tickets because I'm oh, like, we're, we're actually back, dude. Like, I like that, I was it's a good feeling. And shout I out mean, to any filmmaker who fights to get the movie playing in the theater if that's the definitely. way it's meant to be seen. I, I would have Chris to Nolan's say this, a bit advocate of that as well. Oh, no. Big advocate. The the thing is, is this is like during this pandemic, if it's hot as anything, it was always like if something like, oh, the movie's getting released in the theater. Uh, for Tenet, I literally was having such a rough day that day. I think I must have called my mom and I was like, Mom, I'm going to a theater. I know I shouldn't. I haven't gone to the mosque. I I only go to work. I come home, but I need to watch this theater. Uh, I need to watch this movie, whatever happens. Uh, she, <laughs> I, would say I was, it was fully good- expecting it to get delayed. And I'm like, I guess they're releasing this thing. Yeah. Well- we were doing remember, it. Let's uh, go. <laughs> I'm ex- I was like, I was like, uh, I, uh, I was like to my mom, I already had COVID. It was been a week or two since I've recovered from it too. And I was like, yeah. I got to go and watch this. Yeah. We're that kind of crazy. We went, yeah. we went to see a film in like literally like the peak of the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> and watching, watching a quiet place part two, I was in tears, almost in tears in a sense I mean, that, it, it had been so long i've seen a movie in the theater so but it had been so long since, since i've seen such a good movie period like you know, know. <laughs> like so it's the like, combination of those things i was like wow like out of the movies that were coming out and watching oldham i don't, okay maybe you might uh understand from me on this one yash but it felt like when i was watching new movies getting released on hbo max on netflix on hulu it almost felt like I was eating dal chow on every single in the same. <laughs> we got dude, 2020 was the year of the dal chow movies. It was like, literally like I don't have to eat it to live. Like it's not bad. It's like dal chow. It's not even like <laughs> like dal mukni like, or something. Like it's just the same old dal. It'd be like the same dal chow, and then it'd be like you'd be asking your mom like, "Hey mom, what you made today?" Oh, Samir, I made something. Oh, what did you make? Dal chawal. I'm like, what's the difference? But I put checking the sign. Yeah. It'll be like okay. for the people outside of our community, um, this would be like, I guess, I don't know, if your mom made like meatloaf every night. I don't know. What do, <laughs> what, what do white people eat? I don't know. I don't know. Think boiled potato with salt and pepper. <laughs> Savage, dude. Savage. Zach is gonna be offended when he edits. This Sorry, movie. Zach. Didn't mean it. Yeah, dude. But, but um, watching. Watching a quiet place part two, it brought so much happiness. I yeah, dude, I've been going to the theaters I, twice a week. I'm like, the world's gonna shut down again. I'm gonna get my fill before it. Just oh, in man. case. God damn Delta variant. I was like, I got the Moderna, bro. Let's go. I got the oh, worst one. Moderna. I got also the best Johnson. one. Man. Oh, you win J and J, bro. J and J's all the way. That's we control the streets, as they say. I mean, you got one vaccine, but I don't know if that makes. I don't know, dude. Look, if you're out there, you're not vaccinated. Yeah, you need to get your ass to CVS or Walgreens. Look, now. you can either take a small needle or you can get the virus. I mean, that's going to happen. One of those two things will happen to you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's as bluntly as I can put it. But, uh, um, but anyways, let's not get into a COVID yeah, discussion because I'm tired of talking about COVID. <laughs> yeah, but um, I'll say this about theater, though. Theaters, mm-hmm. for me, it's always been this. I have a rough day at work. 
had a rough day at school. What do I go? I go to the, I open my phone. I go, oh, I can, let me go ahead and watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Let me go ahead and watch that movie. And I, yeah, I actually, mean, if, if you're smart about it, you just go like, okay, matinee at Cinemark, $5. Yeah. Like, you're not losing that much money. Exactly. Um, uh, you know, it's For me, it's just like, at this point in my life, I don't get out of the house that much, especially nowadays. It's a chance to just like go do something besides like you know I can't go out and party every weekend yeah. like yeah. anymore. I could in my prime, but not anymore. Yeah. So this is not this is not I'm not built for it anymore. But for <laughs> me, it's like it's like going to a theater was almost is still is and always will be a magical place for me because the mm-hmm. happiness, the joy, for of sure. Coming out so and, many fond memories, dude. I mean, so so many. I mean, I saw like you know, second half of the Harry Potter franchise. My first movie in theaters was Madagascar. I remember these things. I'm never going to forget. For um, me, it was like, I mean, if anyone heard me at the Jurassic Park podcast, uh, how yeah, so me as a returning that. guest. <laughs> and just hearing about Jurassic World getting released again, and my mind was getting blown. I was just like, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening, mm-hmm. it's happening, it's happening. I could say this, yes, Jurassic World for uh, Fallen Kingdom came up I have friends who were going to me. The movie was trash. I was like, "How dare you!" This yeah, is the Fallen Jurassic. Kingdom was kind of trash, though. Hey, man, don't like I said. I'll say the same thing. I'll say to you and all my other friends. This is Jurassic Park we're talking about. Yeah, true, true. I don't. I don't care if it's trash. I don't care if it's like a scene in which a T Rex is like roaring, and that's it. That's the movie. I will watch it. And I'll give a full critique about it. It's funny because we have these ties to franchises, right? But I have the same attachment to like the Chris Nolan universe, right? Like that's that's the thing with Chris. But the Christopher Nolan's uh, universe for me is this: is that if I want to go and watch an original movie, an original movie in which I could see a world in his view in a different way, I'm I'm on board. And for me why i love inception so much and and all his other movies is that his movies are basically a way to see a world different i mean we could say this is that for people you know who has this focus you know who are literally focused like aeroshot and and people that we met in high school or in college who always talk about careers and i gotta do this i gotta get this what movies generally it opens a different way going you know maybe choosing this pathway might not be bad it could be either being a director it could be either an art director it could be in cgi but for me like jurassic park what opened my eyes was holy crap dinosaurs are real and that was the magic of theater for me is Mm -hmm. that like my major is in is that's something that i'm just like yo Mm -hmm that kind of grew up with me like dinosaurs were made from cgi which made from computers which yeah. goes for what i want to do well you know what's what's most relevant about the movie theater experience with this film is that i didn't even see it in the theater right yeah, but no. as soon as i watched it um at home i was like that would have been an amazing experience in the theater i already knew like just from watching it at home and i think it was dunkirk which was outside of the dark knight trilogy no i saw interstellar as well but ten kirk was the first chris nolan movie i saw in imax same and since that since that um like if a chris nolan movie is coming out i will watch it in imax i will splurge the full cost um because he uses imax cameras and 
creates movies for the IMAX experience. And I will say um, Dunkirk was kind of divisive, um, I think, mm-hmm. for a lot of people. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, my favorite movie from that year. Love it. But some people were like, well, enough, no deep characters and this and that. No dialogues. And that's all true. But the thing is, he created the experience of like, he wanted you to feel like you were in a war setting with these people. And the only way to truly feel that to its full extent is seeing the movie in IMAX when the sounds are insanely loud. You know, like the screen is huge. You're just immersed on the beach, like trapped in this horrible like scenario. It's a war movie with like very little bloody violence. It's just the intensity of war. It's all about that. And that's what makes it unique. Um, but I think in general, if they have a re-release inception for an anniversary, I'm going to go see it in IMAX because I need to have that experience before I die. I, I, <laughs> like, would, mm-hmm. I wish if, if the pandemic was not there and Tenet was coming out on a supposed july 31st 2020 if they were to release inception like two or three weeks beforehand to be like oh watch inception we were releasing it again like one of those things to like support the movie theater because they were playing a lot of old movies for a while yeah like, i wish the business alive it. i wish they could release it back in imax uh um, yeah. well this movie's what 11 years old now so maybe at the 15 year mark or 20 year mark it's hey, so possible but anyways let's get back to our discussion on inception <laughs> Uh, we've answered a lot of questions, so we're doing great. Um, yeah. But one question, so the next question is, this is kind of a tough question, but we like to ask people this on the show, as you already know. Is there anything in the movie you would change to improve it, or is it perfect in your eyes? Oof. I mean, if anything, I, I wouldn't change it. I, I, I would not. It's I completely because... agree. This is a perfect film. Anyone because... disagrees? Can disagree. It's fine. Why are they all looking at me? Because my subconscious feels that someone else is creating this world. The more you change things, the quicker the projections start to converge on Converge? They sense the foreign nature of the dreamer. They attack like white blood cells fighting an infection. Like they're going to attack us? No. Just you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I had to like give my reason about why I love this movie so much, it's because it's perfect. It's it's literally perfect. Uh, Every moment is interesting or exhilarating. Every moment matters to the story. It's so unique. It's an innovative movie. It's it has an open ended conclusion, and I still like that. And I normally hate that. Like it's so weird. Everything works. Um, it shouldn't like there the things that shouldn't work work twofold in this movie, right? <laughs> like things I normally don't like work even better. Yeah, and um. Because it's such a personal movie for me, it's a movie that changed my life. Um, I I have a hard time thinking anything can be taken out or changed or added. Like I think it's just perfect the way it is, perfect. and that's it's okay to say that now. And yeah. now there are many people even on the show, and this is totally fine. That's their opinion that they say there is no such thing as a perfect movie. I disagree. Inception is a perfect movie. Inception. Is a perfect <laughs> um, so um, that's just my opinion. Even though even though it did not win an Oscar. Well, it, it, won, it won like four Oscars, just not any of like the major ones. Yeah. Well, well, let, me, let, me, let me see what it won. Hold on one sec. Yeah, pulled up. Right. It won cinematography, sound mixing, know. sound editing, visual effects. And it was nominated for picture, screenplay, score, and art direction. Nominated for eight, won four. To be honest, at the time, that's a big deal for blockbuster movies. That is a big deal. Um, that is a big deal. So, and even Tenet got visual effects, which was nice to see. Oh, yeah, you're right about that. Mm-hmm. Which it should. I mean, people are moving backwards and forwards at the same time. Like, that's a visual, that's visual magic. I mean, that that's is visual magic right there. Um, but 
but yeah, we can we can we we both say it's a perfect movie, and perfect movie. that's all, that's all we can say about that. Is there anything else you want to discuss, or any questions for me um, about the movie? I think we discuss everything from friendship to, to movies. To, I don't know. This well, like this kind of like this an podcast. <laughs> this podcast is basically a bit about our friendship in a nutshell. Basically, this is yeah. We've we given the the people a lot of backstory exposition. A lot of backstory. <laughs> um, like, like this movie, Ash. I would say this for me, especially that ending. Like I already talked about it in the podcast, but that ending for me is so special because. That almost felt like I was coming back to the States. It almost had that vibe. Yes, I did not kill my wife or, you know, have two kids waiting for me. <laughs> but none of that. So but... for the record, Samit did not kill his wife. He didn't <laughs> have a wife, but that's beyond the point. That's beyond the point. But the thing is, is like when for me leaving this country when I was nine years old uh, from Philadelphia and then going to Karachi, Pakistan, living there for seven years, having no idea about like, yes, my culture is um, based in the Desi community. I lived in Pakistan. My parents are Pakistani. But actually living there and trying to get adjusted to life and having a hard time getting adjusted to it uh, and then leaving that place and going to America, it almost had that dream feeling to it. It almost felt that weird dream vibe. And then actually watching that ending and hearing that Hans, Zim- Hans Zimmer's uh, score being played, that's that score is like for me constantly plays in my mind uh, when something monumental is happening in my life. And with me hopefully graduating college after this whole pandemic thing kind of screwed things over, that Hans Zimmer score will definitely be playing in my graduation ceremony. I hope um, I, I will persuade somehow they don't play that, that music they play for every graduation, but play that Hans Zimmer score. I'll be a happy man. They should just, when you have your graduation party, you should just ask that to be your walk-up song and just be like, duh, duh. <laughs> People will be like, it's kind oh, of sad. I just sad. need that. I need that happen. Um, okay, cool. But last question for the, today's episode is, if you had to convince someone to watch this movie, what would you tell them? What's your sales pitch? Imagine I mean, I mean, obviously this movie is very personal for both of us, but outside of that, you know, what would you tell people to get them to watch it? Um, I would tell them this to understand this movie. Yes, you uh, you will might need to watch this movie twice, but watch this movie without any breaks, without any distractions, and just enjoy the moment. Enjoy the moment. If you enjoy the moment and enjoy what you're watching, you're gonna love this movie. If you have like a bit of distractions going on, a little bit of trouble at some parts, yeah, I get it. It, it happens to everyone. And you might need to watch a second second view in a bit, which I had to do for Tenet because of uh, it's uh, terrible. Uh, I won't say terrible because it's uh, saying that to Christopher Nolan like that. It's it's bad. Um, but that you're gonna need to watch it a second time, and that's okay. But you'll love it by the second time. You're gonna love it. Second gonna, time, oh. you could be like me, watch it like over fifteen times. I mean, and counting. <laughs> and counting. Um, yeah. yeah, but what I'll say about Inception is, look, obviously it's like the movie that changed cinema for me. And if telling you that doesn't make you want to watch it, then uh, I mean, it's it ranks among one of my favorite all-time films. This is like my second favorite film from my favorite director, only behind The Dark Knight. It's my favorite movie from 2010. And just last year, I named it my favorite movie of the decade, which is a huge deal. That's hundreds of films 
and I'm calling this the best movie in the last 10 years. You know, this is above The Dark Knight Rises, Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows Part 2. These are all great movies. Logan. But Logan. Logan, yeah, like there's, you know, you know, The Help, The Wolf of Wall Street, Social Network, just name a few, Toy Story 3, La La Land, 50-50, Argo. These are my favorite films, but I'm saying Inception is the best among all of them. And I think to say such a bold thing means that there, I have a special love for this movie that is unmatched by any other film. Um, it's a movie that has action. It has intrigue. It has characters. It has amazingly unique concepts. It has you know, everything you want from a blockbuster. Um, you know, good performances, good score, good writing. I mean, I there's there's just a flawless movie. I just so flawless. I literally cannot tell you what like like this movie actually has a fairly low score from the critics side. Um, I it's one of those movies that I'm baffled by that because it has everything I could want from a movie and more. It's a movie that I watch at least once or twice a year. I mean, it's been, like, it's been out for eleven years and I've watched it like sixteen plus times. So it's um. A movie I mean, that this I, at this movie, point I'm I'm still I'm a little tired of it, but I still love watching it because it's so this good. This movie is basically like the movie that is culturally influenced. It it has been culturally influenced. It's almost like you're asking someone like, "Have you seen it?" And you have people say no. You almost look at them and go, "Dude, what are you doing? Like, you need to watch this movie right now. Like, stop watching this movie that you're watching. Go ahead and yeah. watch this movie right now." Yeah. But um, it's like this movie, it's the thing is like it's in, we're in an interesting time, right? Because cinema roughly started in the 1920s, roughly like a few years before there were movies. But, you know, that's around we were reaching the moment of like 100 years of cinema. Right. And I truly believe Inception is one of those movies that we will talk about 100 years from now. Like we will talk about it in the coming decades because of its influence. And it's just overall unique qualities in terms of an action blockbuster mm-hmm. and um you know i know i know people listen to me and you're like oh of course he's a nolan fan he's gonna love it no matter what but inception is just that good i mean <laughs> like being us two nolan fanboys talking about this movie we're definitely going to be saying good things about it but at the same time it is what i mean is. i will say everyone i've shown this movie to has been nothing short of blown away by it um oh yeah so there's that too You're waiting for a train. A train that'll take you far away. You know where you hope this train will take you. But you can't know for sure. And it doesn't matter. Now tell me why! Because you did it So with that, we've reached the end of today's discussion on Inception. Want to thank Samid for joining us today. Thank you again, Yash. Uh, hopefully, I'll come back for our next podcast meeting, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll talk more about movies. And this time, we'll talk for three hours. Why not? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll test the limits of how long these episodes can get. <laughs> but um, yeah, of course, happy to have you on, as always. Um, and from all of us at Cinema Convos to you listening, uh, thanks so much for listening to our show. If you enjoy our show, give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to stay up to date on new episodes and we hope you tune in next time.